0: Maybe starting from something which uh, Ambassador Sullivan referred to in his talk of the initiative of establish a global network against food crisis as as called for uh, at the World Humanitarian Summit of 2016. Um, So that that network is to uh, better align this gap between humanitarian and development responses, if you like, but particularly also to coordinate better uh, from what uh, Arif say, said, okay, we know what the, where the problems are, we probably know reasonably well what the causes are, but yet the action has to be better aligned. Um, now we're 2018, so the initiative was taken in 2016, so we still in, in, have a network that's to be established. So maybe the first question is why is it taking so long, why is it so difficult, uh, apparently. Um, and secondly, what's in your perspective uh, would be good examples of what FAO is doing and with partners to combine emer- uh, emergency relief with longer-term uh, resilience building to counteract food prices? And what could the global network add to that? That's a lot of questions, but yeah, well, I know yeah. you can handle that. <laughs>
1: well, thank you very much. Can you hear uh, thank you very much, Rob, and uh, it's a great pleasure to be here today. Uh, I think on your first question on the, on, on the network, I think the, the first thing we have to to keep in mind is why this network was, uh, was established, why the decision was made by the, by the two EU commissioners, DEFCO and ECHO, as well as the Director General of FAO and the Executive Director of WFP, to establish this network. I think it comes from the realization that um, with – Close to 100 million uh, people at that time. It was uh, 80 million people. Now it has increased to 108 and 124 million. Now, um, on really uh, in acute food insecurity, I think there is no way we will be able to uh, to achieve SDG 2 unless we we do business differently, unless we are able to to mobilise uh, actors across the humanitarian development. But also even more and more the peace uh, pillars, so I think this really comes from from, from that realization and uh, and also that, as part of doing business differently, that, that we need indeed more robust analysis, that we need more uh, more informed evidence based uh, programming that we need monitoring, and that we need high level advocacy to be able to mobilize uh, across. And as a matter of fact, and it was said by, um, by a number of previous speakers, but when we looked at, at when we look at what happened last year, um, last year indeed we, we were in front of a situation where uh, we, we had uh, one famine declared in, uh, in South Sudan. Uh, we had three uh, countries at risk of famine in, uh, in Yemen, Somalia, and no- northeast Nigeria. And what we find there is that perhaps as was said uh, as an international community we have never been as good as we are today at uh, seeing the trajectories of these countries and at being able really to identify when when a famine will occur or when a famine is occurring and as a matter of fact in south sudan we detected famine in 2 uh, two counties of unity state in a very quite a discrete uh, area of South Sudan and we were able as an international community to, to mobilize and to act uh, at scale uh, to, uh, to, to prevent the situation to uh, deteriorate but I would say that's about it. That's about it. And as was said, we keep accumulating people on the cliff of famine. I mean, um, and if there is, for whatever reason, uh, we are not able to access them for a couple of weeks or something with uh, humanitarian assistance, their food security situation will deteriorate quickly. And uh, we are going back into a very acute, uh, uh, extreme uh, anger. So this is why in this situation it's not only important to deliver humanitarian assistance, but why also we need to engage the development actors uh, much earlier on. And I think this is the the purpose of this this network uh, that was was established, uh, indeed, that was launched in Istanbul. And what has happened since then is that we have uh, worked a lot I would say on the first component of this network which is the report the report itself we have three partners we have 12 partners the quality of the report no is, I think is nothing to compare uh, to the first one we have a very strong uh, product that is, has even no uh, outlook uh, dimension and which will keep uh, e- evolving. But um, I, I would say now, what we have also been doing um, in the context of, uh, of this network is uh, working uh, towards uh, defining uh, better the the scope and the positioning of the network in the global architecture. And we have seen that a network like this one, a report like this one, is critical in terms of um, providing information, high-level, doing the high-level advocacy, uh, for example, vis-a-vis the UN uh, Security Council. Now we are producing six-monthly reports that are submitted to the Security Council uh, highlighting the the food security situation in countries that are on the agenda of the the Security Council. Uh, We are also providing this information uh, to the Committee on World Food Security, I mean raising, raising the attention, knowing that ultimately it finds its way to the ECOSOC and to Uh, into the General Assembly. And then, through a network like this one, by working on this on by working together at uh, indeed, uh, strengthening the coordination, but as well as uh, identifying uh, good practices, uh, identifying, uh, I I would say, different typologies of response, we are indeed able to influence uh, the way uh, we are responding to this situation and uh, the way we are uh, indeed building resilience. Now, to come to the second part of your question very quickly, I think the first thing you learn when you are talking of resilience is that it's not a single agency business. This is something you have to do uh, together with others. And, uh, and, and that's why, as the Rome-based agencies, uh, we have been um, working uh, towards having a conceptual framework among the 3 rome role-based agencies, FAO, WFP, and IFAT, uh, to build uh, resilience. This is a a priority for the three agencies, and we have put it in practice in a number of countries, uh, most notably, for example, in Niger, uh, where we were recently with my uh, counterpart of WFP, and where we have seen that we have been working together uh, to do the, the joint analysis, uh, the participatory analysis of the needs at uh, at the really the grassroots level, and be able to uh, really uh, design uh, responses that are tailored to the needs of the people, mobilizing, for example, in the case of the WFP, food assistance for assets. Uh, to uh, limit land degradation and work on water savings, uh, working at the same time from the FAO perspective uh, in terms of uh, of diversifying uh, production, uh, working through the farm and field school, good nutritional practices, etc., etc., and IFAD uh, aligning their inv- investment in terms of, uh, of infrastructure. What we have seen is that these people have graduated in the household economy approach from uh, very vulnerable to medium, that there has been much less outward migration, that there has been employment opportunity for youth, that women uh, have been involved in the, in the planning, are much more engaged in the, in the society, and that these people at the end of the day are much more resilient. No we have been involved for a couple of years in this country. We need to preserve these gains, and to preserve these gains, what we are discussing now, and this is all taking place in the in the three N, the Nigerian, feed the Nigerian uh, context. I mean, we need to fi- think in terms of social protection uh, system that will act as safety nets to help uh, preserve the gains. So. Uh, this is Nigeria. We have similar experience, FAO, WFP, UNICEF in Somalia, which really show the value of working together on the same community for a multi-year period of time uh, with very clearly defined objective. I think this is really uh, what makes a difference. Thank you. Uh,
0: thank you, Dominique. And, uh,